Thank you for joining us on Vagina Talks. I'm thrilled to have you here and I want to have you everywhere we are. So I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. That is where you can support, become a member, join the virtual temple, get behind scenes, all the good stuff, support this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the medicine, the free flow, the real, 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 real talk. Would love to have you as part of the community over there. Consider yourself invited. Come on over. I'm Samantha Rise, and welcome to Vagina Talks, where we speak about, to, and from vaginas. This is a show of alchemy, where we turn poison into medicine, disconnection into wisdom, and isolated wounds into communal peacemaking. Here's your host, Sophia Wise One. You already know everything they can teach you. You already know. I just want to take a minute to acknowledge that Vagina Talks understands that gender is fluid and dynamic and goes way beyond the binary of either woman or man, she or him, and that in fact it's a living and evolving thing that's actually personal, person to person. And that our bodies, even our understanding or the ways that we experience them can vary. It's important for me that that's something that has space here on Vagina Talks. And at the same time, I also am carrying this understanding that womanhood and the experience of the feminine and all of the female in the splitting of that binary has been injured, has been hurt, has been dismantled. And so I'm looking to have a space where the feminine and the female and the female body is reclaimed and respected and lifted and inspected and known as well as a space that goes beyond the binary and that acknowledges that these are limited constructs mostly put upon us and that we're in the process of evolving into something more whole and more true just wanted to say that some of my guests will use incredibly binary language for whatever reason from the places that they come from And I just wanted to let you know that Vagina Talks has a much wider understanding, and it's a living one. So feel free to chime in as we go along. Without further ado, today's episode. Hello, darlings. I am Sophia Wise One, and we are here together on Vagina Talks. Just wanted to let you all know I am, when you listen to this episode, I will be on the road. It has happened. I have embarked on the adventure And I am looking forward to sharing with you as it goes. If you want to get the updates, the letters, the letters from the road and what's happening, if you go to SophiaWiseOne.com and sign up for my newsletter, then you will get my be free newsletter where I share uh, ramblings, insights and ponderances from my life adventures, as well as general announcements and invitations. So if you want to hear as we go along the road, I'd be happy to have you there. I'm excited. As I record this, it is the night before I embark, and it is a time of preparation. It's a time of deep listening, and this week has been a week of completion. I speak to that for just a moment here. There's a really interesting thing in which healing is always in perpetual motion, right? We're always in movement. We're always moving. We're always changing. That's life, vibrancy, vibration, action, movement. And yet, there is this thing called completion. 
there is a thing where something comes to its fullness in a moment and then shifts and the vibration, the move, the change continues. And yet something is, is finished as it is. And so as I'm in the space of coming to completion with a number of things of being in Philadelphia, being in my life and in the transition that I've been through this spring, always speaking, I know I'm always reflecting to you. So this time I really offer blessings on any completions that are coming, any turning points that you're really feeling now as things that were so wrought and so open-ended have a sense of completion, have a sense of coming together and yet uh, embarking in a continuation because that's because that's life. That's the nature of ever-expanding consciousness. We have a really wonderful guest today, and I'm excited to share her powerful and potent story with you. So I'm going to introduce her and dive right in. After, 25, after a 25-year marriage, Rosie Aiello engineered an international escape to save her daughter and herself from domestic violence. Nearly mentally destroyed, she reinvented herself since arriving back in the United States, started her own business, and became a speaker, best-selling author, and international award-winning entrepreneur. Rosie and her daughter are now sharing their powerful story of escape, healing, and freedom in their upcoming memoir called 11 Hours to Freedom. Doesn't that give you chills? That gives me chills. 11 Hours to Freedom. It's the memoir of their escape from domestic violence. Rosie helps women regain their voice and confidence and rebuild their life so they can create a joyful and prosperous life that they deserve. Rosie, welcome. Ah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I can't tell you, just listening to you, I am just in a different zone right now. Mm. Mm. I just, you've got magic around you. <laughs> we are, we are magic. We are magic makers. It is, it is, but it is, it is, it is, it is but our choice, right? To, to allow that magic to expand and take up space and, and to move with us and through us and as us. And that's, that's what we're here to do. Rosie, I, I really want to honor the, the, the journey that, that you're on. So, so, okay. So give us a little bit of context. Do you, we're in a 25 year marriage. How old were you when you got married? I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about age, if that's something that people are, people still get worked up about that, but um, that's up to you. But give us some context of, you know, you got married, 25 years of marriage, you had this escape and this process of rebuilding your life. We're talking about four years. We're talking about 20 years. Um, give us a, just a kind of a, a broader sweep and whatever kind of comes through there. We'll, we'll see. So um, just to give people a, a clearer perspective, I was in the Middle East. So I uh, was working in Silicon Valley prior to that and, and corporate finance. And so I lived in Saudi Arabia for about 12 years and then in Lebanon for another 12-ish years. So it was, you know, almost 25 years in the Middle East. And when I um, arrived in the United States, I was 56 years old. So, and I arrived in 2009. If anybody remembers that, that was the middle of the Great Recession. Yeah. So here I was, having been out of the country for so long, um, mm -hmm. old, and, and one of the worst economies we had ever been in. Um, but I didn't think about any of that when I was planning the escape because um, life had become so challenging um, and difficult that all I wanted was my freedom. Mm. And, and 
when you get to that point in your life, nothing else matters. And the thing that kept me going um, when I was planning the escape was, and, and was an impetus is like, I kept saying, and I, I knew nothing <clears throat> about uh, mantras or limiting beliefs or uh, personal development. I, I didn't know any of that stuff, but I created these. And I said to myself, my daughter and I deserve a happy and joyful life. I don't mm. have to be a martyr. I only have one life to live and I'm going to live it. So those phrases, I just kept repeating over and over and over because I was racked with guilt of planning this escape when even though he was destroying me, I still was, was filling with lots of guilt. And then when you read my bio, I can't tell you, I started to tear up. It's like, oh my gosh, I have done this since I've been here. And it's so hard to still even imagine you know, that 10 years ago, I was still in, in that. And I could have never imagined in a million years, my life now just could not. Uh, it's, it's to, to, to see where I've come. And I think for all of your listeners, whoever they are, is that where whatever situation they're in is that there is always hope and you can change your life. You can change your life and it can get better. And I'm not saying my life has been a piece of cake since arriving, <laughs> you know, because my daughter and I were, you know, we had, we were diagnosed with quite severe, you know, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder from all the, yeah. you know, the decades of, of abuse. Um, but gosh, what a journey. What, what a wonder to be able to fight for your own life. Oh. And, um, and, and that's why, you know, the first, the first, you know, our book is in three parts and the first is the flight for freedom. And the second part is the fight for freedom. And the third mm. part is the fulfillment of freedom. And that, that fight for freedom really is like reclaiming who I was, you know, it was like, I, 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 I wasn't, a, I was always there. It's just that I'd gotten stripped away and I had to reclaim myself. I had to discover who I was again. And, and that was, took a lot of therapy and, um, now I'm just deep into the personal development and, and, and that has been so helpful. And, and literally I, <laughs> I was going to say, no wonder you're called the wise one. And just, I was going to say, and your wise words as you're opening this up really touched me deeply and it just felt really good. And as people like you who make this world so much better and make it easier for us who are suffering to really, um, have that hope and, and have the tools, you know, learn the tools and the skills to, to, to get there because it does, it's not just, you know, it's not like I just arrived in the United States and, and, and it was a piece of cake and, you know, everything came my way. You know, I was again, fighting for my freedom. It's like I was physically free, but I wasn't yet fully mentally free until you're mentally free. You're never free. That, you know, but until you know, we can be physically free, but to then be mentally free. And then, you know, the deep, this like soulful knowing of until we're all free, you know, we're not, we're not entirely free. And that, that piece of, uh, that piece, I, you know, it, this has been coming up for me a lot recently, um, because of the stories that have been, that have been coming to me of 
people living with or coming to terms with abusive relationships. And, and one of them that I was hearing about recently was, um, an, a, a similar to you adult, someone over the age of 60, um, coming to, I don't know if that's true, over the age, adult over the age of 60, um, grown, grown folk. And, um, and coming to terms with the the abuse um, from their parents mm. and from their parent mm-hmm. and and saying wow and you know and and it just you know and and I've also been you know and also been in conversation with someone right now who's in their twenties who's coming to terms with the abuse of their parent and the the parents the way in which you know maybe one person is the overt kind of controller and abuser and manipulator and the other person is allowing it to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like that, you know, that, that dynamic, which, you know, you could speak to in terms of your own experience of, you know, how we all are just navigating as best we can, as best we can, as best we can. Right. Like until right. we can find out another way to do it, you know, that's just what's happening. Um, and that that's even true for people who are perpetuating and, uh, and abusing in these extreme ways they're still doing the best they can but just because it's the best they can does not mean it's tolerable or appropriate or we should put up with it or stay for it right so like what is it to have like a loving compassion and be like yeah you're really sick and i don't need to be here for you to be sick on right that that's like that that's a different that's a different distinction um versus like like a, a pity and one of the things that i've been thinking about and talking about and sitting in this place is the ways in which our minds, um, the process of not only um, kind of mentally getting free, but ha- like being able to trust our minds, because what happens a lot of the time when we when when we live in in excessive manipulation um, is that we're so used to having reality be bent around and twisted. Um, to have our stories be told back to us in ways that aren't true, to have factual events being told back to us when they're in, in a way that that's not even factual. And there's degrees of just not having this way in which reality, um, shared reality starts to get very bendy. And so the idea that we should be able to trust our own mind, the outside and the inside get very unstable. Is that making sense? Am I making sense? If you saw, if we had a video, you'd just see me nodding the entire time you were talking. (laughs) It's like my head's going to nod off because it's like it's just agreeing with you with every single word you're saying. Absolutely. And, you know, what's what I've discovered um, is that when uh, someone is in this kind of an abusive situation and, and mine was primarily emotional, psychological, verbal and financial. So. Um, I don't want to discount the, the bit of physical, but the majority by far was, was the mind bending, as you said. And, and what, and when I left, you know, people say, Oh, you know, why did you stay so long then? You know, first it was like they were shocked. It's like, and, and, you know, how could you do that? And then it was like, Oh, well, then how could, then why didn't you leave earlier? And mm-hmm. what most people don't understand, um, and there's, it's, there's, it's quite complex, you know, the trauma gets, you know, literally into your body, which I'm sure you know, but it gets in, it settles into your body and, uh, and it paralyzes you. And on top of that, your mind literally is, uh, is bent. Your, your, because there's so much stress and so much cortisol, your prefrontal cortex, uh, you know, which is in the front part of your forehead, 
where you have your executive thinking, your decision making, your, you know, your analysis is, is almost destroyed. And you can't think like somebody who's living out, you know, who's, who's somebody who's never experienced or is just outside looking in because your brain is literally not working. And so to come back and really work on the mind that has been destroyed, um, and to recapture it is like, yeah, and the whole thing about trusting is, it's so true. It's like, do, do I even know what reality is? And, and, uh, you know, I talk about, I talk about really the terror that we, we go through to me personally, you know, domestic abuse or domestic violence, which, you know, has a different, to me, has a different meaning. It's just like, it doesn't really portray what actually happens inside those four walls, which is really you're being terrorized, you know, this constant terror that you're, you're, you're on edge, you're, you're walking on eggshells, you know, you don't never know when they're going to blow up or, or what's going to happen. And so you're on constant high alert and the body, you know, we have the fight and flight response, but that's meant for temporary things, you know, like you, you see the tiger, oh, then you're going to decide. But when you're in that state, in a constant state, the body starts to just go into overload. Um, and so then, like you were saying, tr you know, they, they twist the stories around. It's like, so what is true? And that was, that's been a, a process for me to trust myself and to trust others, uh, to, well, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, please. Well, no, I, I was just going to say, it's just, it's been, uh, you know, when somebody is even kind to me, it's like, is this really, you know, is this, is this just a temporary thing? You know, I have, you know, I'm, you know, my, my ears perk up and, you know, I'm second guessing everybody's move and until I, it gets that validation, you know, yeah, okay. Until I see the pattern, you know, do I see a pattern of kindness or do I see a pattern of kindness and then you know, abuse, pattern of kindness and then abuse. And this is what I always tell people, look out for the pattern because this right. is what's really typical is that they'll, they'll be kind and nice and thoughtful and smart and charming and all those good things. And there'll be all the horrible things. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to say. So two things. And one was that, that feeling when, you know, one of the things that's so difficult is that like you talked about that front cortex, not having access to yourself and feeling crazy, which then is often a part of that the way in which we can loop ourselves and stay in an abusive relationship is because we're being told we're crazy and we feel crazy. So of course, so there, so there, so there's a, there's, there's, they're right. Right. Like that notion of like, Oh, I am crazy. Cause I feel crazy. Am I crazy? I am crazy. I'm not crazy. Am I like that loop? That's so, um, you know, because we are literally losing cognitive functioning and then feeling crazy and then, um, wondering why we feel crazy or being told, we feel crazy and like, you know, th that piece. And the other thing talking about these patterns is that the other thing that a lot of people don't realize with, um, with abusive patterns is that they're gradual, you know, and that they, you're talking about those patterns that they loop and the severity often of the abuse. Most of the time it, it you know, I, one of the things that I say, and this is just true across the board for most people is that we get away with, we do what we can get away with. Mm -hmm. And that's just like, a, that's very much like an animal thing. We just like do what we can get away with. And so we do the things that we do in the patterns that we do them to the degree that we can get away with it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, right. whatever that is, that can be a positive behavior or a negative behavior or, you know, neutral, whatever it is, like however you want to deem those as, as good or bad or neutral or whatever kind of opinions on that. 
but that the, the, we'll just run patterns as far as we can run them. And so when abuse patterns aren't interrupted, this, that's why, you know, that's why one of the, you know, domestic abuse, you know, often ends in death for people is because it just, the abuse, just the patterns just get worse. That's just what happens, but they don't start out that way. They start out very subtle and, um, and that the severity is matched by that. Um, the severity of the abuse is often matched by, you know, um, that crazy making sense. And so, you know, that, that combination of those two things, which is why it's really, it's a couple different things. It's one of the reasons why, um, it's really difficult to, um, you know, help people who are inside a domestic violence situation until they've come to a place where they're ready to do something different or take the risk, um, is because like you talked about, the experience they're having is very specific and in a much larger context than, um, than we can see from the outside. And at the same time, why it can be really helpful when we're in recovery from either severe or just subtle, because I really understand our, you know, we're in an imperialist colonist, uh, colonist, um, white supremacist, um, you know, uh, a, a capitalist, um, society that is, is very predatory. And so we're in a, the, like a, somebody used the term overculture recently to me, this kind of dominant, um, Western colonizing culture that's also a gaslighting, manipulating, predatory culture. And so a lot of us are kind of constantly being taught to tolerate some level of abuse or diminishment or, uh, uh, or accusations or being undermined. And so we have a kind of base level of like, oh, that's just how we're supposed to be in relationship. And so it can get really tricky for people to kind of navigate and catch it um, early on. Yeah. And, and so then, you know, just continue this is that you start doubting everything, you know, you doubt yourself and then, and that doubt just keep perpetuating. And then, you know, it's, and how it starts slowly is that, you know, just like you, you said, you know, they'll give you some insults. They'll, they'll tell you you're wrong. They'll, they'll, they'll twist the facts and they'll, and then you'll start to think, gosh, I thought I remembered it that way. So I thought, well, I, I guess, I guess I must not have thought of it that way. I remembered it correctly, you know, whatever it is, but they just keep creating these doubts in your mind. And then, um, uh, it may start to get a little worse, but then they, they start, then they start giving you lots of love and lots of great things. And then these, and then you hook on to that and think, Oh, oh, this, this guy, this person's really great. You know, this is, it's not so bad. I mean, no, no relationship is perfect, right? You know, everybody gets angry. Right. We start making excuses in which I now have decided that this is another red flag. If I have to make an excuse for the relationship or for the person, that in itself is a red flag because that's your, yes, your mind telling you, your body's telling you that no, you don't, don't make that excuse because you're trying to grasp for something that's not true. And so this is what I tell, you know, the women that I work with. It's like, look for those, look for those excuses that you are making for the relationship. And I was just telling somebody the other day, it, it's like, uh, I don't know if you've heard the story of the, yeah, it's kind of a sick one, but whatever, it still works. You know, if you, if you, um, throw a, a frog in a hot, uh, a, a hot pot of boiling water, it will jump out. Right. Cause it feels that, oh, wow, that really hurts. But if you put them in a cold pot of water, 
and you just slowly turn up the heat. Then they, they don't quite notice it. And you just keep turning it up and turning it up and then it gets too hot and then they perish, right? Well, that's what it's like being in this relationship. You're just like, you know, you, you, you're you in it. It's like, it's, it's, you know, it's like things are happening. You don't really like them, you know. You don't like them. You don't really like, you never like being belittled or diminished or insulted. You don't like any of those, but you know, it's again, it's offset by the good stuff. So you keep, you know, putting that, well, it's not important, but then it starts to heat up and it's either more frequent or it's the intensity gets higher or whatever. And then it gets, gets worse and worse until, until, you know, things happen. I mean, I know I was very suicidal. Um, and that's, and I just knew that if I stayed, I wasn't going to live. I, I, I don't know if he, I don't think he would have killed me, but I probably would have killed myself first because I just like, I cannot live this way. And then I thought, shoot, I have only one life to live and I want to live it. Remember, like I told you in the beginning, it's like, damn it, I'm going to live this. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to help my daughter live her life. We deserve to live a happy and joyful life. Um, and as you also mentioned, and I agree, it's, it's not our job, nor can we love somebody into being better. Um, I think, you know, when you get married or you're in a significant relationship, you're not expecting that person to terrorize you and to put you down and, and to diminish you. You're, you're just, or, you know, in, in other cases, you know, hit you and, and threaten, you know, threaten you verbally or physically or, or whatever, you're, you're not expecting that. So we're not built with all of these natural defenses of coming up and saying, you know, wait a minute, we keep, we want the relationship to work. We, we put, you know, time, energy, you know, our heart into it. So we want things to work out. And yet, as we are making all those efforts to make it work out, we're just, we're getting destroyed. We're destroying ourselves. Our soul is being sucked out of ourselves. And that, that person's not going to change. And then it only will change when you realize that you deserve, you as a human being deserve a happy and joyful life. You deserve to be treated with kindness. And it's not your responsibility if they are mistreating you and you have to take it. Um, I had a, a therapist in the, in, in the early days and I loved what she said. And she said, you know, we can have compassion for the Unabomber because, you know, he was schizophrenic and ill and everything else. But we're really, really, really glad he's in prison because mm -hmm. he's not safe for society, you know, and using that as an analogy is like, you know, we can have compassion for these people. It's like, you know, oh gosh, you know, the guy is suffering or, you know, they're suffering, whoever. And yet we can't change them and we don't have to be the person on whom they dump and destroy. And one of the things that I often mention is too, it's like, you know, I, that place of no longer being the person that, uh, because m most a lot of people, I mean, they're extreme situations, but most people don't want to hurt the people they love. Most people and in, in most people that recognize at some point that their abusers aren't, are not happy with it. They also do not like to hurt or diminish the people that they hurt or diminish. If they have any kind of uh, consciousness about their behavior, if there's any consciousness, then that consciousness is usually 
a guilt or a shame of just being like, oh, I know, I'm sorry, it's terrible, I'm terrible. That's not, you know, not all abusers have that story, but many do. I'm I'm sorry, I won't do it again, right? Like that was too far mm-hmm. um, is, is something that we hear. And so it's like that place of, um, you know, and yet like am I going to, Am I going to participate and allow myself to be to be the thing that they use to hurt themselves? Because a really great way to and, you know, I so one of the things that I realized is that um, I grew up in a household that had some emotional abuse in it. Um, Again, kind of complicated and layered. There was a there's physical illness for me. My mother was very uh, sick and she did. She was very sick and she there were a number of episodes for her in which um, there was a lot of like memory loss and my mom also had pretty severe PTS. Um, I guess she still does at, at times more severe than others. And, um, and so there were times where she would black out and she didn't even know. And, uh, the, one of the things that she would do was she would just rage. And so she wasn't raging very often at us. Mm-hmm. Um, but as children, it's very hard to make that distinction. Yes. Her raging mm-hmm. was just her raging. Mm-hmm. And she didn't even know that it would happen um, because of brain fog and situation. She was just in her own, who was just very deep in her suffering coming from her own abuse. Mm-hmm. She was just beaten as a child. And so like in these, like these, these deep pain cycles that were happening, you know, and so the process for me as an adult, when I realized that I was, I was running controlling manipulative behaviors to try to get my way mm-hmm. in a relationship was a very rude awakening mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. the day that I realized that I was an abusive partner. Mm-hmm. The way that I was behaving was I was I was behaving inappropriately and then making my partner responsible to make it better and to forgive me and to tolerate and to 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 tolerate and to participate in my mistreatment of them was not that was hard that was very hard i was actually just talking about this last week i was talking about how um i was having um uh, this feeling of not quite knowing how to talk about uh, a course that i just uh started running and i had this awakening of just being like well how do i talk about it and i'm like oh well i need to tell the story of how i got there I just burst into tears and was like, I don't want to go back and remember how I got there. Mm -hmm. Like I do. And I remembered a fair amount, but to really tap back in, right. To go back those 10 years, to go back those 15 years and, you know, and to really look at how I was hurting, but also to look how I was being hurt, but how I was actively hurting, Mm -hmm. how, how, how my behavior was participating and, 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 and what, what that is. And I think that that's really important. And that was really important for me to recognize and interrupt that behavior and then also change it has really allowed me to change my ability to watch the subtle from the very, very subtle manipulative. Like I said, we have a kind of dominant culture of thinking that love is abuse, that consent in sexual relationships means doing something. And if you get away with it, then it's consent. And if you don't get away with it, then it's because they don't want it. Like we just, we, we, we don't have, as a, as a, you know, dominant culture, very good relationship skills at all. And so a lot of it are these really, um, abusive and abused, uh, patterns about control and, um, and injury. And so for me to recognize and to have compassion for myself, but then also change the behavior really was important for me to realize that like nobody else could have done that for me. Mm-hmm. 
So right. I can't do that for someone else. Right. 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 Like that coming back to that place of being like, I can't, no one else could have done that for me. You know, it was helpful to have people who were compassionate and, and voiced and witnessed me and gave me feedback. But I also had large degrees. I had a lot, you know, I had a fair amount of cognitive functioning and, you know, at certain times, um, other times, not so much, you know, and there was a lot of, a lot of excuse making, a lot of rationalization. Um, yeah. So that was just, that was kind of the piece that I wanted to come to terms with. for my own notion of just recognizing like, yeah, I can have compassion and love for myself and either I change this behavior or I don't. And if I don't, I'm not safe for someone to be in an intimate relationship with. And that's real. And because, th- because I will, you know, it, that was my realization. I was like, I'll mistreat them. I'll make their experience about my experience. And, and to, and to, to, to get to the core of that and to see where that came from and then to interrupt my, uh, my trauma patterns that were perpetuating that and then to create new ones. You know, it's like, that's not, that doesn't happen like a flip of a switch, right? We're talking Definitely about years, yes. we're talking about work and someone has to be willing to do it. And so if I see those patterns in someone else, and I've gotten really pretty vigilant about this at this point in my life where it's like when I like see those patterns, as soon as I see them, someone comes up to me and, you know, telling me a story, a family or a friend or, um, or a client, and they tell me a story about this stuff. I can be a little, I've actually had to recently in my fierceness, I've had to kind of watch my tongue and realize I need to slow down a little bit because my just like no bullshit. I'm like, that's it. That's a thing. They've done it twice. That's a pattern. Like I'm done. Like, nope. Tell them they need to get help and they can call you in two years. (laughs) Like this shit does not Like it doesn't change in three months. You know, if they break up with you and call you back in six weeks and say, I'm different, do not call them back. That is not long enough for brain patterns. <laughs> it's, it's not long it enough takes- for brain patterns. And it's, you know, first of all, I want to just commend you for, for stepping up, recognizing and doing the, the change that was, that you realized, that you realized was necessary. You know, that has not been my experience. My ex-husband to this day doesn't recognize anything. He doesn't take responsibility right. for anything. And where I come from now is that, you know, because I'm a woman and I was with a man. And so I, I work with, with women in similar situations is that it's going to be up to us to disrupt what has been happening in, in the home, whatever it is. You know, we have to take responsibility and just say, we're not going to tolerate this kind of behavior. And is it risky? Is it scary? Yes. You know, does it take a lot of courage? Yes, it does. And, uh, and, and this is, and, and, and so these are other reasons why, uh, women or people don't leave relationships. It's hard to, to do that. Plus for, especially for women is that there's the financial considerations. Usually, um, the man has, man, you know, talk about control. They control the money. Now I had an MBA, not had, I have an MBA in finance. I was working in corporate finance in Silicon Valley before I got married. I was managing the budget, doing worldwide, you know, analysis and stuff. I knew about money. And yet he controlled all the money, you know, because we were living overseas. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, Rosie, well, we shouldn't put your, your name on the accounts because, you know, then we'll get taxed. Um, I had a house before we were married. Four days before we we're going to sell the house, I was coerced and and. And, uh, um, signing a quit claim deed, which means that he got, he got, in other words, half the ownership before I sold the house. It was just usurped right underneath me. And it's like, I, I, you know, it, 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 what they can do to you, um, 
is is amazing. And a lot of women will say they'll live in shame. It's like and, you know you know you're smart, and all of right. a sudden you feel, you feel so you're so stupid. Like how could you be done something so stupid? Yeah. Well, it's because they had already twisted. He had already twisted my mind, and then there was a lawyer who was you know on his side and twisting my mind on top of that. So, um, it's it's difficult to to deal with these people. You took responsibility for your behavior. If they took responsibility for their behavior and, and wanted to make change, the world would be a better place. But if they do not, then it's up to the other person, the one who's the, the target, yes. to take to take yes. the lead in your own friggin' life. You just have to do it. And the other thing that I um, wanted to uh, make sure that's so important is that, you know, they have this tendency to isolate you. You know, I was I was really isolated, you know. And then even being there, he didn't even want me out of the house. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was very, very challenging. But the mistake, you know, the, the biggest mistake that I made was because of my shame, uh, I didn't tell anybody. And, and, and I didn't, I was married 18 years before I even knew I was in an abusive relationship. I didn't even know it. So that's the other thing. This is part of the, the reason why we're, you know, doing this podcast. What was the turning point? The turning point yeah. was when I had, you know, because I would go to the States to visit, you know, never lived here, but, and I was walking through a bookstore and a, a book title just caught my eye. I mean, I feel so, I mean, I'm guilty like everybody else, buy from Amazon, but I tell you, walking through a bookstore saved my life because I saw a title that, you know, just strolling that turned out not to be the book, but then the bibliography led me to other books. And I re I got a book, it's called The Verbally Abusive Relationship by Patricia Evans. Um, she and I are now very good friends. I've spoken on her stage a number of times. And, and it's like, oh my God. So all these feelings I was feeling all these years, you know, all these things about doubting myself. It's like, it was just like, it, it validated everything that I was experiencing. Now, having known that, I still didn't tell anybody for a while. So I was married, but I, you know, well, shortly after that, I told my brother and my two best friends in the United States. So in 18 years of marriage, say 20 years of marriage, only three people knew. And then at the time of my escape, I told two more people who lived in Lebanon because I needed their help. So nearly 25 years of a relationship with this man, only five people knew and really, you know, and they barely knew anything. So I want whoever is listening, if there's any, like you have a doubt, you have something is ask somebody, tell somebody, because sometimes you, you, if I was embarrassed, it's like, oh, you know, this marriage is perfect. And I didn't want to talk about it. And you don't want to talk bad about your spouse and you make all these excuses. And yet inside you're being eaten up and you deserve to be treated with kindness. And there is a way. And it doesn't mean there could be many people who are going to be like, like our dear Sophia wise one who wises up and, and does make the change. My husband was not in that category. He was, who was willing to do that. Um, and let me be clear. I advise people to not stick around for that wising up. If they're really wising up, they will recognize that you don't need to be there for that process. That's a real bit. I mean, that's a bit. If they're really wising up, that for you to, if someone thinks that you need to be there for them to get better, they have not wised right. up. Yes, right. It's like not your place. That's not your place. So I think that's really. I'm glad you brought that back up because, like, let me be clear about that. Like, that's not 
what I'm saying. Don't stick around because someone says, oh, I see it's a problem. I can do better. Be say, great. I'm glad you can do better. Go do better. <laughs> Let's check back in later, you know, and not do buy better by yourself. Go do better with help, you know, and not mine. I really, I, I just am so grateful for you, Rosie. And I, and I, do you have more to say? I can yeah, well, more. I was, uh, you know, it was just making me think about, you know, how we think about toxicity and when, you know, my mm. daughter, um, you know, I was ready to leave and I told my daughter, when you're ready to leave, just, you know, let me know. Um, cause she was at the university and everything else. And in the day that she told me, I mean, as upset as I was, uh, she was a junior at the, at the university in, in Lebanon. And she told me, um, you know, I need, you know, you've got to take me away from my, uh, my, my abusive father. I can't stand it anymore. And I said, God, can't you wait another year? You know, and then you'll graduate, you know, <laughs> being the practical one. And then I thought, really, Rosie, you know, and, there's, and of course she screamed, no, of course I can't. And I thought, this is like drinking poison. Do you want to even another mm. teaspoon of poison in your body? Mm. You know, your body has been filled with poison for years. And all you're doing is getting more poison to circulate throughout your body and in your mind that's destroying you. And that's what it's like. Another spoonful of poison. Tell us some more signs, those toxic signs. What are the, what are some of those red flags, those, those signs? Tell us about that. They'll, you know, for me, um, don't hesitate to repeat yes. the ones you already mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for for <laughs> me, it was like, um, oh, you know, I really love you being home, you know, and just like, you don't need to see your friends, you know, just, you know, stay home with me or, you know, or when you go out, they give you such a big guilt trip. This was mine, you know, oh, you know, you're leaving me again. You're abandoning me. And then you keep hearing it over and over and then the intensity goes up. And, and then, so it may not, they may not even say you can't see your friends, but they, for mine, he made it so difficult for me to go out of the house. It was like, oh my God. Okay. Just to, to keep the peace, I would stay home. And then, you know, I was already away from my, my family and my friends from the United States. And then I, he made it extremely difficult for me to make any friends when I lived overseas. So it was extremely difficult. So that's, that's the way it can appear, but there he's going out with his friends while I'm staying home. You know, he wants me home. Like, he know, so he knows where I'm at. Um, so that's, that's a sign. Uh, constant calling you now with the, the cell phones, we didn't have them in the beginning, but constantly calling you and where, where are your whereabouts? There was one time, I kid you not, I had gone to church, you know, no one else wanted to go. I went by myself and I, you know, I turned off the, the phone and, we lived in a little village and then I was going to go to the grocery store afterwards. Well, um, he tracks me down and the, the store clerk is running to me with a you know regular phone saying your husband's on the line. I go, I have no idea how he discovered that. And he's screaming at me in the middle of the store. Of course, you know, I have to keep my composure and yelling at me because I turned my phone off and he couldn't get a hold of me. It's like, hello. Right. So this is another sign when, you know, that's not normal, right? That you can't go out. My, my freedom to this day, one of my freedoms is going into not the big, but like a nice grocery store. Cause I could valid, you know, in normal cases, I, that was like a legitimate way to get out of the house was to go grocery shopping, except for that time. 
Um, other, other signs are, oh, I have a better memory than you. Uh, I'm more logical than you. Um, you, you know, mm. that's not how it was. Um, you know, I'm, you're too emotional. Uh, you know, phrases like that. You're too emotional. You know, you always want to be right. You're not a team player. Um, you know, diminishing terms. So it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not a team player. Well, I better, you know, I know you love your daughter, but you're a terrible mother. You know, you're a terrible wife. You never support me. They'll, they'll use lots of um, the extremes always and never. Watch out for those kinds of terms. Mm -hmm. um, they, I, I was going to do um, a project for this, um, this woman in Saudi Arabia when I was living there. And he goes, and it was like, oh, you, you deserve to be, you, you deserve to um, charge her more. So he made me raise my rate so much that I didn't get the job. Now, doesn't it sound like, oh, he thinks I'm so, I'm so important and you know, I'm so, um, more valuable that I should be charging more, but then I didn't get the job. So do you see how it gets twisted? Um, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, you, you know, you're so right. And if that, if that happened outside of all the other contexts, that would be different, right? But it's like when you add all of these things together or even half of them or a third of them or a rep repetition of them, right? So it's like, Again, that that notion of what you're talking about in terms of like seeing patterns and things like that. Um, yeah, and he had a he, yes, no, is that yes, true? Definitely, that, like, am That's, I wrong? No, definitely, okay. it's, okay. It's, it's the whole pattern. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And you know, he had a violent temper, and by the end, I mean, I am not joking. I could just take a deep breath, you know, like you know, like your sign. Just, I'd be just walking across the family room, and he's sitting there, and he would scream at me for breathing wrong. So I just, you know, as as years went by, I just wanted to avoid being with him. You know, uh, he would complain, you know, you don't cook me anything, you know, for breakfast. And then I would give him a whole, you know, five five items for like a buffet where we're going to a restaurant for breakfast. And then he would complain about that. And it's like he was never satisfied. So that's another clear pattern. They're never satisfied. It's like no matter what you do, it's never enough. And so you start feeling that you're not enough. You start feeling that you're you're not good and you're not a good wife or a good mother because everything you do is wrong. He, you know, they'll set a a uh, like a goal, you know, figuratively a goal. You reach the goal, but oh no, right before you reach the goal, like you know, maybe two inches before the goal, they move it and say, oh, well, we've changed it now. <laughs> you know, so it's like, well, wait a minute, you you told me to do this and get here. I I, I did that. You know, I'm a highly functioning person. I did that. Oh no 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 no, that's not what I really wanted. And so this is also what crisis uh, uh, causes, you know, you just start going crazy, right? I thought I understood it, right? So really it starts to, you know, and you don't, and this is the slow burn that, you know, where you, you, right. you start to really start doubting your, your self-confidence and what you, you know, you start to doubt, you know, your, what you remember, what you think you can remember. You say, well, I guess my memory is not as good as I thought. You start to doubt your logic. You start to doubt your decision-making. You trust in yourself. So that constant undermining of you um, becomes a pattern. And like you said, the more they do it, they get away with it. It grows in intensity. Uh, I just want to say here, I know you and I both know this, but I just want to be clear. Like this can happen straight couples, queer couples, trans couples. Like this happens 
across the board. It, this is not like a male, female or any of that regard. These are power dynamics or relationship dynamics and they can happen though, you know, a wife can be the abuser for a husband that, you know, like I said, that, you know, queer to women, trans couples, non-binary, that these, these, um, patterns, um, can happen in any, in any circumstance. And that, you know, one of, and, and, and that each one of those circumstances has a different set that makes it difficult for the person who's being abused to feel confident and capable to communicate and talk about it. Right. To say, I need help or to say what's happening. Yeah. I'm really, um, yeah. And I'm really glad you pointed that out. I mean, you know, in my experience and, you know, we, and we hear in the news, oh, it's usually, you know, the man dominating the woman. And I think statistically that's probably true. And that, that's the trap that, you know, maybe, um, you know, same sex couples, especially, especially if it's two women, it's like, oh, well, you know, she's a woman. She wouldn't do that. But, it, you know, this, this is human stuff here. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know, your orientation. It doesn't matter how much, how much education you have. It doesn't matter your economical um, status. It, none of that matters. It doesn't matter. You know, you could be the richest person. You could be the poorest person. You can be the most educated. You can, you know, have just gone to, you know, grammar school. It doesn't matter. And I am so glad you pointed that out for people to be aware of these patterns and, and to listen to their gut. You know, my gut was talking to me, but I didn't, I didn't know about it. You know, I didn't know about intuition. I didn't know about my gut. I didn't know about any of that. Man, if I listened to that, I probably wouldn't have been here, but your body knows. So if you're listening to this and you're starting to, you're questioning yourself, then, then listen to it. And it doesn't mean anything is bad. You're bad. Just wait, you know, for you to chance to wake up and talk to somebody. And if the person you talk to cannot hear you and be understanding, then find somebody else that will listen to you. Because that's the other thing. Um, you might talk to somebody and they're, they don't understand, they're not in tune, whatever the reason is. And you don't need another person to diminish you and you don't need somebody else to not believe you. That's the thing. You need somebody who is going to believe in you. Uh, and that's what happened with me with that book. And that's what I'm hoping when people read, you know, 11 Hours to Freedom, that they're going to get that, oh, wow, this is how it is. And talk about yeah i was gonna say and for my daughter you know to hear from the perspective of what happens to the child is really impactful and, and you know you're 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 a case right you know you you were a child of something right of abuse mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and, I, yeah, and I, you know i think that's one of the things that's been happening over the past few decades i know for me is like there's been more research and more education and and i don't know if there's i don't know if there's more or less documented domestic abuse or things like that. But I can say that in my own family lineage, the degrees of abuse have lessened um, in terms of the severity or the length of time or the ways in which, you know, one of the things that, you know, that was very different in my circumstance was that um, not only did my mother apologize and say, um, you know, when she would find out later that there was, had been screaming, um, but she would also say to us, like, it's it's really not your fault mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm not well and this isn't OK and I love you. And I hope, mm -hmm. you know, she didn't say this is OK. Yeah, that's good. She didn't say this mm -hmm. was OK. 
you know? And that's one of the things that I tell people if you're a parent and you're navigating, um, like I said, this is a spectrum and, and, you know, things that we can get away with and things like that. And, and, um, and that if you're in relationships that have some of these patterns that are checked and they're kind of, you don't like them, but they're, but you feel like they're, everybody's doing them, you know, it's just, I don't know. It gets, it's like, it gets tricky, you know, cause I feel like for me, every one of my relationships has been less emotionally abusive than mm-hmm. the last for my, my romantic mm-hmm. ones. Um, and, and, and my, and my, like I'm saying, like my, my familial lineage, like the emotional abuse has spiraled out in terms, in spiraled, I don't know, through and, and healed, has been healing through all of that. There's been healing and growth in that. And one of the things that I've come to is if you're in a space where, you're in a relationship, if there's kids involved or even telling yourself that like, you know, one of the things uh, what I've heard a lot when I'm working with clients and maybe Rosie, your clients tell you this too, which is that, um, you know, that notion of like having their mother say to them, like, I know your father or, you know, or vice versa, like whoever right. the, the um, abusive parent is saying, like, I know they're really angry and scary. I just want, but they really do mm-hmm. love you. And that equation is a problematic yes. equation, yeah. right? Like that th- their anger is them loving it. Like it, th- that it's okay because they love you is very, it's a big deal. And w- what I offer people is if they're in relationship to say to the children, right? Um, you know, like your parent is doing the best they can and they're not doing a very good job as, as a grown up right now. So we're going to let them be, um, we're going to give them space to figure out to do how to do something better and then to take the kid out of the room or to take them out of the, you know, to take them out of that situation or when you have the dialogue to, to say, like, it's not good enough and humans are imperfect and it's not good enough to like to not confuse that as being like, you know, and then at another time in another situation to have a conversation about love and that you can be loved, but that's not love. Right. To like be able to. And this is this is that kind of cognitive functioning that we're talking about that is inaccessible when we are in extreme um, uh, perpetuated uh, abuse. It literally the kind of the kind of cognition that I'm talking about, high level cognition, br- emotional intelligence, breaking down these pieces into little bits and pieces require a degree of presence and stability to be able to navigate. And I think that's why I'm saying like there has, if you have that kind of presence and stability to be able to navigate those things, um, and they gotta be able to be checked, you know, like you're talking about being like, you gotta be able to tell the stories and break down the shame barriers and like work, you know, through these levels. Um, you know, and the other thing that I want to talk about here and uh, that feels important is that there's another kind of, um, manipulation that happens. Um, and I know this again, it doesn't matter like gender, any of that stuff that happens. And that's the, the, the shutdown controlling yeah. mechanism, the mm-hmm. aspect of being, um, emotionally manipulated by the other person shutting down. Cause we think of a lot of abuse as being very aggressive and yelling and angry. Um, and so it can be really missed when the, the person's main tool is, um, withdrawal. Yeah. Withdrawal, the silent treatment. I mean, I had it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes he wouldn't talk to me for days and then, and I wouldn't know, you know, I wouldn't know, but I tell you at the end, it was just like, oh, I have a couple of days of peace. I know he's mad at me, but at least I have peace, <laughs> but I, I shouldn't be <sighs> facetious about it. But I mean, it's just like, but this, you're exactly right. No, yeah. it's real. No. Yeah. And, you know, and so that kind of, that kind of extreme or contr- any kind of those controlling behaviors. And so 
to recognize that like, you know, people can fall short and like, you know, everybody gets to be human. This is, I've been thinking about this a lot as we're having this conversation. One of the life changing moments for me was Elisa Starkweather, um, who is a, a, a teacher and a continuation of the wise woman tradition and incredible, mm-hmm. incredible mm-hmm. human being. And, um, and I listened to her. She was speaking in a tent at a conference and, uh, I don't know, 100 and 150 women, 100 women in this tent. And she stood in front of these people and said, I was one of them. And she said, um, I said to my partner, my current partner, if you diminish me once, I will walk away mm-hmm. and not come back. And then she looked around and she said, it has been 18 years. And it has not happened. Yeah. And it changed my life because that's what I mean at that notion of being like, what, what, but like, aren't we just supposed to tolerate being diminished Mm -hmm. a little bit, you know? And it's, the answer is no. No. The answer is no. The answer is no. (laughs) The answer is no, no. No, that's not the place of our lovers, our partners, our our family members. It's not. Yeah, and that's why you know you know one of the things we're doing is you know it's called you know I say that love is kind, you know, not terrorizing. You know, just to say oh I love you, it's like you know that can be really hollow. You know, like just like the example you gave. You know, you know your father's screaming at you, but that's the way he loves you. It's like well, no, that's not a healthy way of loving. That's not healthy. And I think that's what we need to distinguish between healthy and not healthy. And anger, you know, when it's just spewed like that, is 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 not healthy in a relationship. And from a, a child's point of view, they they don't have the cognitive ability to process the anger, to process that behavior. Just like you, you had trouble. Of course, you did. You know, you're a two or three year old. You're using a two or three year old's capabilities. And what goes into your subconscious mind is at that level. So you're still using two and three year old uh, tools to navigate, you know, in your 30s, 40s and, and what have you. You know, it's like we can't do that. But that's what people get stuck that way. And um, and so that's what gets perpetuated. And that's why I'm on this mission to disrupt these patterns to say, no, this is not. And and you women, at least, you know, for my market. You know, you women, you're the ones who need to step up. Don't don't expect anybody else. You need to you need to be the disruptor and stop the pattern and teach your children because it keeps it does keep perpetuating. And I believe that when women and children, you know, everybody, but you know, when women and children can grow up, you know, and be in a, a loving, kind environment. They have more confidence. They're, um, they have more self-esteem. They are more productive in society. They have a better outlook on life. You know, this is also a huge economic uh, cost to, to them and to society. You know, how many years of, of help, you know, therapy or counseling do we get because of our trauma? Um, how many years of not being productive? You know, no one's going to convince me that when you have, you know, abuse in your background or you're being abused, you know, in present tense, that you can be as productive as you normally would be. So you can't perform as well. You, you know, your thinking ability at, at work, you may be, you may be able to, to do pretty well, but not as well as you could. So everything is being, everything is being diminished. 
it's not just you. It's just your, your family, your friends, the, the, the economy is all being diminished because of what's happening to you. So that's why it's important. It's a responsibility to the whole world. Thank you for your work, Rosie. Thank you. <laughs> I can get really pretty passionate about this stuff now. <laughs> I love it. It's important, our passion. That's the healthy, it's the same pathway as our anger. It's just the vibrant, life-giving one as opposed to the protecting yeah. one. You know, anger is the protection one. Which brings me up, it reminds me as I'm sitting here just kind of thinking about my own story and my sharing and my mother's abuse and the emotional abuse that my father came from and, and the dynamic between them and how it's like, when I tell the story, even the way I tell the story, it's like, oh, my mom's yelling. And then it's like, oh, yeah, like my dad's silence, you know, and the way that my mom got pinned is the like, even to us, the like loud, mm -hmm. crazy one, you know, or sick. I mean, that's the other thing is the way that sometimes these things can manifest really subtle mm -hmm. ways um, in terms of like illness or immune issues and things mm -hmm. like that, um, that that can come from that stress factor that we're talking about. And um you know, just thinking about like how much, um, how much like health and beauty and gifts and intelligence and high functioning and all of this stuff that we had in my household. And also just the like the spiral, like the evolution of just like, you know, my parents did way better jobs with us and each other than they had received. And we have some work mm -hmm. to do, you know, like we've had some work to do to continue to kind of keep distancing mm -hmm. from that. So I was just kind of, as you were talking about that, I was just thinking about being like, oh, yeah, like it's so easy to pin the screaming woman as the crazy one when it's like, you know, that like our scream, sometimes that screaming is the sanity that's like, this has to stop. This has to stop. Like this has to stop. Um, and, and you know, just the, the subtleties and the dynamics between all of those things. Rosie, do you mind if I just like kind of just say a little oh, that'd be beautiful. right now? That, do you mind Thank if you. I well, that feeling thing. I'm just. I feel like I'm just like feeling that space right now. I just um. Yeah. Want to honor all of the beings that are here right now with us, kind of woven through the magic of the internet and technology, the spaces where we tell our stories. That there's this interconnection. We're sharing stories, and that each one of us carries an insight. Uh, knowing, uh, remembering, a uh, peacemaking power in this process. I want to ask for peace and strength and courage and healing and uh, tenderness to anyone suffering, suffering at the hands, at the mouth, uh, at the control, the finances of someone who they really believed they could love and trust. That someone that is either that they were handed to as a child or or they chose in faith and in marriage. Anywhere anyone is suffering from that kind of any kind, any kind of abuse that they may be given the the strength and courage to know their their true infinite value and worth. And I ask for all of those who may be perpetuating cycles of abuse. Any one of us who lets diminishing statements roll out of our mouth in inappropriate ways, any times we um, choose controlling a situation instead of listening or being 
present any of the ways in which any which ways that we are uh, making excuses for things that we know are not appropriate that we may be awakened and healed and have the courage to look past those fear-based patterns and habits and come into true wisdom and true kindness and true love that allows us to allow freedom and space and health and well-being and, and trueness to come through. And I offer this, send this out open and willing to anyone who wants it. Anyone who doesn't want it, it may pass by like a wind, no agendas on anyone else's journey. And yet anyone who is, who is wishing for just a little something to move them from where they were to where they know or they hope or they doubt is even possible, something more peaceful, more joy, more love, more safety that, that this may echo and feed, feed their beings. It is, it is, I am grateful. Beautiful. I want you to, I have two things, my two closing questions. The first one I think is kind of connected to my, I, I, I always do that. I have two closing questions. Okay. I have like five questions. Um, my, my, uh, it, so I want to ask, I want to ask, tell people, you know, they want to stay connected with you. They want to work with you. Oh, bef- yeah. I'm adding things <laughs> already. So it's, it's a bunch of questions. How do they connect with you? Where do people go if they need resources? They need, they need to get a better idea. We've touched something. They're stirring in something. They want to, they need more clarity. Um, and the other pieces, I know you, there's a movement. You started to get real passionate about it and I want to hear about it. So talk about you, talk about resources, talk about the movement. Okay. Um, I'll start with the movement actually first since you kind of ended with that. It's called the love is kind movement. And we would love, um, you and your listeners, you know, to go to Facebook groups, go to the group and it's the love is kind movement and to join us there because, you know, I, I want to talk about moving forward. I want to support women in moving forward and not just to keep sitting in the past and what happened. It's like, how do, let's create the lives that you want and support each other and to create this community so you're never alone. You know, that being alone and living in shame created my own, my own prison that I almost died from. So it's really important. Um, that's why I'm so passionate about this. And, and when we have, you know, more kindness in the family, we can spread that, you know, kindness in the community into the country, into the world and make that a better place. We really like you to be there. It's the love is kind movement and Facebook groups. So I join you there and, um, the book will be coming up 11 hours to freedom. And I invite you to go to 11 hours to freedom.com forward slash gift. And I have a little handout for you to kind of get you started on your path to really, you know, being able to ask confidently for what you want to recognize that you are worth it and deserve it. And, um, I am available, you know, you can write to me at 11 hours to freedom at gmail.com and just say, Hey, you know, I heard you on Sophia wise one, you know, and, uh, the vagina talks and 
you know, what you said really struck me and I just want to share whatever with you. Um, and I'm open. I would, I love to hear from listeners. I write back to everybody and just making a, a you know, our goal is our, we have a, my daughter and I have a mission, uh, a global mission to save a million women and their children from this insidious abuse. Mm. So we ask for your help. And if you are one who needs the help, please reach out because you deserve to create a happy and joyful life. Yes. 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 So this is my final question is very connected to your mission, which is, I really believe that we're literally birthing a new culture, a new world, a new paradigm, shifting the light lattice of consciousness and the planet. Um, that's my understanding. I think people have a lot of different ways to talk about it. I'm, uh -huh. I'm into all of them. Um, so, so where are we going? And I love it if you could talk about it in like present tense, like we've arrived, we've come to, we've birthed this new paradigm. We're living in this place that's, that we, that in the past we thought wasn't even possible. You know, we've crossed the threshold. We're there. What does it look like? What does it sound like? What is, what's happening? What do you know? Anything, a picture, an image, a story. What is that, what is that healed, healed culture, healed world, healed place, look, sound, feel, what's it like? People are smiling a lot more and they're being able to, to share their feelings and express themselves fully without feeling afraid to do so, uh, without somebody um, feeling that they have to hide behind something else or someone, you know, I think a part of this issue too has been like, you know, we're, we're not, this is not about, this is not anti-men or anti-anybody. It's not about taking power away from, uh, and I want, you know, the men especially to, to listen to this. This is just about, you know, women and others, everybody having their full voice, their full voice and saying, hey, you know what? <sighs> this has been a great day. I've had some challenges and I want to share those with you. And that's it. So we can, we are human beings. We're going to have, we're going to have feelings. We're going to be happy. We're going to be sad. And we're just going to share what we feel. But we don't have to insult anybody. We don't, have, there's no more putting anybody down to raise ourselves up. We're just talking like you and I have been talking. This is what the world's going to be like, Sophia. This is, you know, what you and I are doing now is what, is it, what it is. Having a normal conversation, sharing what's on our, in our hearts, concerns about the world, concerns about our family, our friends, our children. And being kind in every manner that we can be kind and taking responsibility for our own behavior. I mean, how unique is that? <laughs> I mean, isn't that great? And that, this is not a blaming game. It's not a blaming game. It's not a put down. It's not a power struggle. It's just showing up and saying, my voice matters too. And I want to share this with you. Thank you, Rosie. I have, I keep hearing it in my head. It's a song that was taught to me. It's a Confucius quote put to music. I don't know who the music is. What was it? 
When there is light in the soul, there is beauty in the person. When there is beauty in the person, there is harmony in the home. When there is harmony in the home, there is honor in the nation. When there is honor in the nation, there is peace in the world. Mm, yes, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful voice. Exactly. Thank you, Rosie, for your work, for your weaving, for your story, for your courage, for your awakening, for your listening to your body and your guts and the bookshelf and everything. And I just honor you and I celebrate you and I look forward to connecting. And everybody who's listening, I love you. I wish you a deep river of peace, fully flowing. Be well. Be well. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. And thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sophia. (laughs) Remember, everything that we talked about in today's episodes will be in the show notes. So go there for links. For more content that you're going to love, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to this podcast. Share this episode with anybody you think you'll enjoy it. And share the love with a rate or review wherever you listen. And to find out about all the mad adventures I'm up to, check me out on Instagram at SophiaWiseOne or come to my website, SophiaWiseOne.com. I am Sophia Wiseone, daughter of the wind. I am calling you to rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up and take your place. Thank you, gorgeous. I am thrilled and grateful for your support listening to this podcast. I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. If you think this podcast is the bee's news and you're grateful that it exists, I want you to know I'm grateful that you exist. Come join the Patreon. I call it the temple. We are healing. We are musicking. We are podcasting. We are together. Come check it out. You can find it through Patreon backslash Sophia Wise One or through my website, sophiawiseone.com. Oh. <laughs> Y'all know you need to hear that though. You know. If you don't know, now you know. If you don't know. Okay. Yo, I'm so excited about Vagina Talks right now. Don't pretend like you don't know this is the best podcast you've ever listened to. Don't pretend like you don't know. You know.